Unfolding Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Buckley. I'm here with my co-host, Troy Albee. Um, we are um, unfolding the riches of God's grace for uh, the good of God's people. And today we have a little something different. Today we have um, something, uh, a bit of a conversation and a story to be told. Um, I'm here with uh, the Cones, Christine and Chris Cone. And um, we're just going to talk to them about, you know, their story and, and, and hear from them. Many of you uh, who are listening who go to church with us know, know the Cones. So maybe you can now find out a little bit more about them and, and hear some of their stories. Um, Troy? Yeah, yeah. Again, thanks, Chris and Christine, for having us in your home. Uh, a home that you guys have lived here in Easton for how many years? Well, since 1986, I can't do the math, so <laughs> me neither. You'll, you'll have to figure that out yourself, or those listening will have to figure. It out. Exactly, exactly. But it's older than some folks in our church, that's for sure. And how many years have y'all been married? Fifty. Fifty years. Fifty years on January 14th. No way! You just yeah. celebrated it. Yeah. I did not know this. I feel I'm almost embarrassed. I I, w- I would love to <laughs> have, have sent. Yeah, I know. I, I should send you a card. I'll, a belated uh, happy anniversary. That's a significant milestone, and I, probably some of the significance of that we'll get into when it talks when we begin to talk about um, God's work in your story and in your struggles with 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 illness. Because we are talking today uh, with the Cones, but particularly about their struggle with cancer. But first, maybe you guys could just talk about. Uh, how you met, and uh, you know, you obviously been together for fifty of those years, maybe a little more. But how did how did how did you meet? Well, we met in college. We both went to uh, Salem State College in Salem, Massachusetts, and um, <clears throat> I guess we met um, at college. And uh, we met probably in in a, in a class, and uh, Christine was sitting off. In the class, looking at me and just making all those <laughs> no. stars about, around me, and just waiting. Of course, she told me until her hair grew out before she would actually talk to me. I Got long. I it was short. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> wasn't because of any illness. <laughs> so we met. Uh, what sophomore? Year? Soph- sophomore year. Sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And we actually were married before we graduated. So we married. That's why mm. anniversary is is, uh, is January fourteenth because that was uh, semester break. Wow! And so we got uh, we got married in between the first and second semester of our senior year. So we got married and went off and did uh, student teaching, thrown right into the fire. And both of you now are uh, after all these years, you guys have uh, kids, grandkids. Maybe you could share with folks I know about this. I helped one of them get married, but um, right. and I got to baptize uh, one of them. So well, praise, praise God. Tell, tell folks at our church um, how long you. Well, we have uh, we have two children. We were actually married for nine years before we had uh, uh, our first child, and and he, that's Jeffrey. He is our oldest. He's now 40 years old, and he has three children. So we have three grandchildren, a daughter and, and uh, well, he has a daughter, or a granddaughter and two grandsons. And they live uh, way far away up in Greenville, New Hampshire. And our daughter, uh, Samantha, is 35 this year. <clears throat> she was actually born 
on my birthday. Well, it's actually her birthday. She waited. <laughs> yeah. She waited until after midnight to be born the day after. Oh, fun! Her due date was your birthday. And she's yeah. she's the one that you you uh, you helped marry here in our in our backyard. Oh wow! Yeah. It was in the backyard. It was in the backyard. Wonderful. Actually, both weddings. Both weddings, yeah. In, yes. in the backyard. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful place that God's provided you guys. And you've made it lovely, and it's got a lot of rich history. That's another really interesting thing about you guys. Maybe you could share. I know both of you have, you know, a, you know, a pretty vested interest in uh, American history. And, uh, and in fact, as a little side, because this may not come out, but, uh, but both of you have been involved with uh, historical reenactments and also uh, the Freedom Trail. Like you, yeah. you, you, we, I, our, our kids had a chance to go on a field trip, and you were our guide through part of the Freedom Trail in the Boston Common. It was a delightful experience, and you guys both have a lot of knowledge and insight on history. Well, history is is uh, of interest. I, I was a history major <clears throat> before I. Uh, well, I was a history major, graduated as a history major, and found out there's nothing you can actually do with a history degree. Oh. And not that I'm warning. If anybody's listening who has kids going to college, I would often say, don't get a history degree because the only use for a history degree. A history degree is to wear wool in summer. Other than that, there's no value. So I went back, actually, and did graduate work three years at Northeastern to become a speech-language pathologist, and that's that was my part of, of the education field. Where, Great. Where Christine did, uh, well, you go ahead and what Lots you... Lots of things. You were in teaching. You were in education I, for many I, years. Yes. I did middle school, sixth grade for almost 20 years. Um, I moved to a different school for third grade. I did some fourth grade. I did kindergarten for two years. And then wow. 11 years at the high school in Brockton. Wow. Because I had literacy background as an English major, it was very transportable to different levels. That's yeah. great. So we both did more than 30 years of education in private and public schools. Right. Uh, Tell us one of your interesting jobs now that you're retired. One of our interesting jobs? Yeah. Side gig. Well, I think uh, one of the... I used to give tours on the Freedom Trail. I did that for about four years. And what's nice about doing uh, tours on the Freedom Trail, it's education itself. It's education itself, but unlike the classroom... The students don't come back and remind you the the errors that you made the day yeah. before. It's always a new class, but it's it's uh, it's I enjoyed. I really enjoyed giving tours in the Freedom Trail. And what I did differently on my tours is I delved more into the Puritans of Boston than the other tour guides mm-hmm. tended to do. That a boy. And as a, a matter of fact, what after the ending of one tour. Um, I end up my tour, and of course, I, I ask them that, yes, it's okay, you can give me a, a tip, it's fine, <laughs> that, that, that it's okay. <clears throat> now, there's a, there is, when you end the service, you give a, a benediction, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a particular one, and I see the thing is, I can't remember anything anymore, but there's a particular one that, that is often said, it's the, the famous one. And, the ironic blessing, and, and the Lord so, bless you and keep you, the Lord makes space for you. And as I finished the tour... This one guy stepped up, and he did that. Wow! One of the one of the one of my the two, one of the people on the tour. Really? Yes. And not only that, I had a <clears throat> I gave a tour one time uh, for a family of three, and one was the uncle, and his name was Brother David. He had been twenty years in Jerusalem, 
as a, as a monk of some type. And um, after, the, after I ended the tour, right in the middle of Marshall Lane, <laughs> he put his hands on me and prayed for me to, to wow. finishing that uh, tour. Interesting. That's, that's well. And then also I had an Anglican minister who was very pleased with uh, my interpretation of uh, the Puritans and religion, how important it was in, in Boston at the beginnings of, of, our, of our country. So I find that I've, I don't do that. I don't give tours anymore. <clears throat> the tour company, unfortunately, was uh, KO'd by COVID. Oh, and I bet. so they're. And it, it, uh, I haven't, if I give tours now, it's just for pleasure, for giving it for the school, for your kids. Yeah. I yeah. do that for pleasure. That's fun to do. Yeah, not for money. Yes. Christine, why don't you tell folks where we can find you typically around Christmas time? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Enchanted Village. Yes, yes. Jordan's Furniture. Jordan's Furniture Store. Yes. What do you guys do at the, uh, the Enchanted Village? So we are elves, which means that we have <laughs> everybody wants to know what we look like and are sometimes disappointed that we're not in the hats with the ears and oh. the pointed shoes. Mm-hmm. But we each uh, work for the gold team, and that means that we are responsible for running their two main shows. I see. Um, the Polar Express, which is the Motion Odyssey, and the Light Show, which is a laser production to music. Folks from our church have even run into you guys there. How long have you guys been at our, at our church at Grace? So we figured this out okay. <laughs> because we were talking about it. And Jeff and Jen were married in 2012, and Eleanor was born in 2013, and you baptized her, but yeah. you also, Jen was invited, and we were with your church, with Grace, our church, um, for a baby shower that Jen was included in. So it must cool. have, we must have been there from early in 2013. That's yeah. great. And we were, that's we were in the November 2014 no, membership class. 2013. 2013 membership class. Because I've well, found the book. That's great. Well, we have, we have loved yes. having you. Part of the thing Jonathan and I discussed, people in our church that we'd like to have on first, and we figured we'd, we'd aim for some wisdom. And yes. uh, and and uh, we know we we know we have that with you guys. Uh, a number of ladies in our church uh, are are blessed because, uh, as some know well, uh, Christine is a gifted uh, Bible teacher, and she leads our our women's Bible study um, so faithfully. And we're grateful um, for her wisdom and, and insight as a follower of Christ. Today, we really want to drill in on their experience with cancer. Um, cancer is obviously a subject that uh, many people it's ears perk up on because it's had an impact uh, on families, lives. Um, sometimes that means you know grief. Sometimes it means joy and celebration because of victory. And uh, I'm sure you guys is a is a mix of, of of all the above. But I figured, and Jonathan and I both agreed that if we could hear some of that story, uh, it'd be great. Now, granted, 
and you guys can highlight this, there's, there's quite a few years. Both of you mm-hmm. um, had, uh, I don't know what stage cancer it was. We'll get into that. But, you know, there's a number of years that separate when you both had cancer. But that's what we want to, you know, hear some about. So, and hear about, you know, God's work in that and in your marriage. Praise God. You've been married, like, like we said, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of that story has been cancer. Um, some of us in our church know, know, know that a little better because we had a chance to pray uh, in earnest uh, for, for quite some time for you, Brother Chris. But maybe let's just go back. And Christine's probably the natural place to begin because she had it in her 30s. In 30s. So just That's go back through, you know, diagnose, you know, how, how did it get, get diagnosed and initially treated? And how long of a battle was that for, for I guess, for both of you? Okay. So for me, um, I had uh, I was misdiagnosed okay. with a clogged milk gland. I was nursing our daughter, and she was six months. And um, the doctor that saw me said, you know, take this antibiotic, and if it doesn't clear up, see your doctor. And we got busy with a family wedding and going back to school, and I put off seeing, uh, making mm-hmm. that return trip. And school started, and uh, on my way to school, after dropping um, the kids at my sister-in-law's, I was rear-ended. Oh, an accident. Yes. And uh, I drove myself to school, and they sent me off. The doctor, in talking, I just mentioned that, well, I do still have this soreness here from my clogged milk gland. And he said, how long ago? And he immediately did the biopsy mm-hmm. right there. So the fall, it was a holiday weekend in October, um, a phone call, and the next day, um, well, I went in to the appointment. They said, come in right now. Did all the prep and... Oh, that's right. That was me. Um, I'm usually the one clicking my pen, so you're forgiven. Okay, good. Um, well, long story short, um, they did a, a day surgery excisional biopsy, um, which really amounted to removing the tumor. And he was pleased that it was all done. And then just the, the weeks of deciding whether to do the full surgery, mastectomy. Um, and uh, back in the day, they did all that right away. Um, whereas I know now many people have chemo first and then surgery. They did the surgery, a full mastectomy. So I had to wean um, your daughter Sammy mm-hmm. from uh, yeah from the nursing, and uh, had the surgery, and then six months of chemo, mm. and, uh, and then I went back to work in the fall. Because mm. wow. I finished in May with the treatments, and um, the hardest part of the whole physical process was that um, my veins wouldn't take the infusion, so I had to have a port. A port they they call it, it was a groshon, so it was a line put in and wrapped and taped to my chest, so it was a live or uh, open. Uh, that the treatments went in. And it was broken uh, partway through my treatments, uh, mishandled by a technician. So I finished without it. But it had that incident was an immediately life-threatening, as the doctor said when I went in, to say, gee, it's kind of, it's, 
I think he made a mistake. I think he didn't do it right. It had crystallized the solution. Mm. So it would have... He said, well, you're very fortunate. And, uh, of course, I knew it was more than fortune. Yeah. That yeah. got me to, uh, to him. But anyway, that was my experience. We went through three wigs before we found one I was comfortable with. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and Sammy used to like to pull it off when we were in the grocery store. Yeah. In the wagon, she'd oh. reach up and... People were a little little shocked by that. Yeah. I can imagine. But can imagine. we called it a, a providential push, mm. the rear ending, to get oh, sure. to the doctor. Because the tumor had, had um, grown significantly from um, probably the time that it was first seen. So, yeah. And we had uh, six months of the grandmas taking turns uh, to come and stay here for a week at a time. Uh, treatment weeks, so there was uh, being a young mom trying to help you know keep things going with the household right, and right. being worn and that's, down. That's the biggest difference I think in many ways that the kids were little, and um, for Chris it was when his came around and it was just the two of us, so there weren't extra concerns mm-hmm. to have to take care of. But, um, at what point did they kind of say, hey, you're, you're done, you know, your treatment is uh, finished? Ten years. And... Ten years. I see. Um, I had regular blood work and um, follow-up appointments with all the different concerns uh, for ten years. Yeah, and then there was a, a feeling of, oh, all right, I mean, I, I don't get to come in. <laughs> there was a comfort in seeing them regularly, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. But... Um, but you were cleared after the ten years. That's they declared me um, clear. Yes. Well, let's let's fast forward. I mean, how, how did it come about that you, you discovered you had cancer? Now you're the, you're not the caretaker. You're the patient. Um, well, I had uh, uh, I had a mass growing <clears throat> in a particular part of the body that uh, caused discomfort, <clears throat> and so I went to uh, my primary care. He sent me right away to have a um, sonogram, and so they they they, they did a sonogram of, of the uh, of the mass, <clears throat> and once they found out it was a mass, and this was late in the afternoon, <clears throat> the doctor called me at the hospital and said we have a mass so we've got to take it out and, and find out what it was, and that's when they <clears throat> tied me up with Doctor Fitzgerald. Yeah, it's funny because when you first mentioned that to me, I know that I know Doctor Fitzgerald just from my work so well. Mm-hmm. So he's a good man, and uh, go on, sorry. And he, he's, he is a good man. I have to say he's impeccably dressed. Yes. That right there, that right there felt and gave me assurance that... Uh, Sadly, he's a Notre Dame fan, but we, we can... Uh, we can <laughs> and so um, uh, we had surgery. So it was, it was uh, 2018, about about now. It's, it's, so this would be the anniversary for the surgery in 2018. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out the years. I can't do the math. <laughs> and so the surgery was, had the surgery, then they did the biopsy, and, and then it came back that I had, um, I had uh, B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, oh, there's a word that follows after that. Aggre- so it was, it was an aggressive an aggressive form, so that the oncologist said that it doubles in size every 24 hours. Oh, wow. And so 
they, at Dr. Fitzgerald's office, they, they gave me an appointment with an oncologist here in Brockton, actually, in Norfolk Oncology. I would recommend anybody that needs to go to have anything to go there. It's Dr. Dillon. And so they sent the information. They set up an appointment, but she called me several days earlier, said, you've got to come in. We've got to talk to you right now. And that's when I, we were called in, and she said, okay, with the information we have right now, um, they didn't really stage Christine, and so yeah, they didn't really stage me. I just assumed that I was stage three. <clears throat> and and so she said that with the information we have right now, uh, I will give you a 50% chance to live three to five years. Hmm. However, if it hasn't spread too far, then maybe there is some hope to, to, to live longer. And if, it, if that's successful, then maybe with the stem cell, stem cell transplant, it would be a cure. So I actually went to Tufts Hospital, um, and what they do there is they give the, this is the full shot. This isn't just little stuff. It's the full shot. So it was four days of uh, forced uh, chemo from the bag, you know, the mm -hmm. bag on the stand. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. And, and so I was there for six days. It was nonstop. I didn't have a port then. I actually had a... Um, IV... No, uh, it's the, uh, we can never remember. I can never remember the name of it. You know the thing they put the line, line, a pick, a pick line. line. Yeah. It was all through a pick line, <clears throat> and the pr difficulty was the 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 drug that they wanted to give me, a tomicide. There was a national shortage, right? And so they gave me all the chemos except for the tomicide. And so I went back for one more infusion of stuff, and that wasn't working. That's when Dr. Delling took over and said, no, I can do everything the rest. So I did the rest of my chemo. Our chop. Our chop therapy here in Brockton, which was so much better, because being in the hospital for six days, mm. I never got sick from the medication. What I got sick from was what you're talking, what you were talking about, the incontinence. Because yeah. they didn't care about the bowels. <laughs> no, and, right. And so they got, oh, it's just awful. But anyhow, I, I now did six treatments with uh, Dr. Dillon here in Brockton. And so it was almost like a, very different from Christine's experience. It was almost like I was going to cancer daycare. I see. And so I, I, uh, one day I would, get, I would get the infusion of the, of the drugs. <clears throat> and then um, the next five days for the week, they would give me medication so that I wouldn't get sick. And I would be in the clinic and always watching and making sure everything's going all going well. And then the next week, I would be home and I wouldn't have to you know, rush into Boston and out to Boston. So much better to have it here locally. Yeah. And she was, I mean, the, she was just on top of everything. I can't mm -hmm. say enough about, about mm -hmm. Dr. Dillon. And so that finished. I finished with the chemo in, in, in June. And then I had radiation. I had 15, uh, 15 um, shots of radiation. That sounds fun. Well, it was kind of interesting. I won't go into the really interesting part because I'm not sure the listeners want to hear about the, the, the nuts. Well, about, about the interesting part, but it was 15 days of radiation. So I had to have the radiation prior to the stem cell transplant. And the radiation went fine. And I was doing so well that we went off and did a reenactment up in Vermont. Oh, wow. So we drove to Vermont, did a, yeah. a reenactment, the Battle of Hubbardton. And I was fine. I had the creams to put on. It was on the way home, just, I don't know, about, about 70 miles from home. It, 
the sunburn set in on the place where they did the radiation. Oh, boy. And so I couldn't walk for right. about two weeks. <laughs> but then, then I had the stem cell transplant starting in July of 2018. July, July 31st, we went into um, Tufts Hospital. Mm -hmm. And so the stem cell, but before I had the stem cell transplant, they actually had to draw out the stem cells, which is really interesting. So you, you're there for two days. They, they attack they attach a tube. They couldn't use the uh, the port. I'd had right. a port put in right. by now. Um, they couldn't use the port. They actually put in, I called it a quarter-inch tube. So it was. It, that's how big the tube was. The, 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 I, I know I'm. I, it's a hyperbole here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really a quarter-inch. So it went out, went to the machine, and came back and went back into the other arm. And they collected 1.2 million stem cells from my blood, wow. if you can imagine. Wow. <clears throat> and so they carted them off. Uh, to save them, because in the uh, in the um, the stem cell transplant, you go in and they give you six days of straight chemotherapy, 24 hours a day, and this is the, now they had the autophagy. So basically, what they're doing is they're killing you. They're killing your immune system. Mm -hmm. The idea is there may be some of that cancer floating around because my cancer, unlike Christine's cancer, was a blood cancer. So mm -hmm. it would be in the in the in the blood, and of course, the fear then is it gets into the uh, um, the, yeah. in the brain, the fine. brain through the uh, the uh, central so this is one thing cancer does and treatment does, word retrieval. Being a speech pathologist, <laughs> I have worked with stroke patients and other patients, and I understand what word mm -hmm. retrieval is now. Yeah. And, I, and now I, I, can't, I, I can feel it coming. So what is my excuse exactly there? <laughs> <laughs> it's called youth. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Got it. <laughs> but... Um, <clears throat> So I had that. I had the six days of, and then the last hour they give you the the heaviest of all, and and you know when you go to the dentist, and before you have the Novocaine they put the the stuff. Mm -hmm. to, um, that's what they gave me to gargle with, so I could gargle my mouth because the the, the last chemical they put in affects the mouth and it, oh, really? it, oh, wow. it, it, it breaks out in these sores. And, yeah. and, but anyhow, it, these are all the good things. <laughs> <laughs> and then they give me, they, then they, the, the day they come, they put my, my stem cells back in. Right. So they've killed all of them, and now they're replacing the ones that I had before. So they're rebuilding my immune system. They actually told me that's my second, and, and you've corrected me on this, of course, but th it's my second birthday, well, my second physical birthday, Yeah. where uh, they could say that uh, it was August 6th, I think it was, was when they when they put the stem cells back in. Yeah. And then I stayed in the hospital until everything was ready and they could let me out. Mm -hmm. And... Um, one thing I, 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 an analogy I could make to this to to, to one thing that uh, was on the list was what I learned from this is that a part of the faith is obedience, right? Mm -hmm. you, you you are you are to choose those things that. that uh, are godly and you, you you obey God you and and part of the obedience, but being a patient as well is the same thing. To be a good patient, you also have to be obedient to what the doctors want to provide to you. Now we have we had you, uh, you uh, use the word submit submit 
Not fight. The not fight. Submit to submit to um, Proce everything. the procedures. The procedures and we have a, a nephew-in-law who had the same procedure. He had a really difficult time with the stem cell transplant because he couldn't submit to what was going on Required. with that. I see. Yeah. And so I remember laying there in bed as they were pouring my stem cells back into me saying, be quiet, quiet your body, quiet your mind, let the, let the stuff do what it's supposed to do, submit to what they're providing. Yeah. And so that I see that kind of an analogy of, of what we do in the real world is, is we have to, at times, well, we, we submit to what we, what, need, what we need to do. And that's, that's, uh, that's what I was thinking as they were pumping my stem cells back mm. into me. What is something that what is something that you thank you for sharing that I think obviously there's there's waiting and there's discomfort and there's uncertainty yes. pain that accompanies both being uh, you know a cancer patient but also being the spouse of a cancer patient mm -hmm. what's something that when you look back over that experience because now you've both shared that what are some things that you learned about yourself? You know, in that process, and I know some of that's several years removed, but you know, maybe just recollect what are some of the things that you discovered about yourself, both watching your spouse go through it and you yourself having a cancer diagnosis and treatment. Well, as far as the, the difference between the two of us, it's much more difficult mm -hmm. to have this situation if you have kids. When I had cancer, I was 67, started 67, 68 years old. The kids were gone. We were on our own. We were both retired, you know? And so the demands, the demands in that fashion, the world demands are not nearly what they are when they have kids. When yeah. They have kids. Mm -hmm. Now, when Christine had cancer, Samantha was six months old. Yeah. And Jeff was four. Yeah. Right? And we, had, we did have support, though, because both our parents were still young enough to help us yeah. out. Mm -hmm. right. And so uh, there's a world of difference between having cancer young with, with a family and cancer old without, a, without any great family response. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say for me, um, part of what I learned about myself... Um, was that it was well first of all I was really sad when uh, you think about would you be angry a lot of people have a friend who's very angry about things that she went through um, but I was more that sadness of the possibility of not seeing my children mm. grow up yeah and um, that was that was hard for me um, but also um, realized that my faith had really um, changed me, that my parents um, were the ones who observed that their, their Chrissy, their little girl, um, was handling something traumatic yeah. with, from their perspective with ease. And it wasn't easy, but they saw a difference in my demeanor and uh, the calmness and um, the outward. My mother would ask, how, how can you be so calm? And it was opportunities, which was 
really, um, I, don't, I don't know, surreal is the right word, but to be sharing my faith with my parents. Yeah. Um, who brought us up as Christians, but didn't have, didn't seem to have the same uh, trust and confidence or understanding of faith. Yeah. So one thing you maybe you'd say is you learned you learned that you were weak and dependent, exactly. and God met you, yes. you know, in in that weakness. You know, it was a surprise to people who knew you well right. that you you had some of the wherewithal. Mm-hmm. Well, another another story is it, it starts off long before after she had cancer before I had cancer. I had a, an accident with my my car. Uh, my car got torn, and I, I had we didn't have enough money to buy a new car, and so I took the the money that we got for the car and went and bought the best I could. It was a, a K car, you know. It brought back. Um, it, 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 could, it could barely work. The air conditioning worked, but not much. That's all that matters. <laughs> when it got cold enough, the doors would, <clears throat> wouldn't even close because they would freeze. And I got, I, oh, I got so upset with the car. And Christine says, well, you can't, you can't be upset with the car. God gave you that car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with the cancer. Yeah. Right? That's- I mean, it's my life, but it's not my life. It's his life, right? Yeah. And so, if that's what he, if that's what is he he wants, then that's what it will be. And there's, and that was enough to satisfy me right yeah. there. Right. It, it it is what it is. And, and that and that was part of um, the experience that that having understanding that God is sovereign, that He is who he is um, fully in control fully, to, knows fully all the details loving not good, asleep kind um, and that this is not an accident mm-hmm. to be ill that um, he works everything for our good but for his purposes that um, that was the going from understanding that I was saved which was we had just started as a family when Jeff was little. I mean, as a family to attend worship regularly, and scripture became alive for me while I was reading it, you know, to understand um, faith. That um, sharing that, even through my suffering, was um, important. And I think that helps, just knowing that God was in control. He had purpose, has purpose always, and means for our good. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I don't understand um, much of why, why am I still here when several of my really close mm, friends are yeah, not? Yeah. That's a question we all wrestle with. Um, <clears throat> But it, it comes to the same thing. He's he's sovereign, and um, I loved your um, unfolding uh, last week and this this two weeks on the discussion of heaven, because I think um, that discussion um, reestablished clarity for me for how to talk with people who 
are still angry about loss yeah. in their own families and experiences. That was very helpful for me. Yeah. Was there was there any turn or time that you guys felt despair or like you felt you felt you felt you know a- angry towards God? You knew things about God's power and His mm-hmm. sovereignty, and now it's like okay, well this is unfolding in a way I would not have scripted. Right. You know, um, I I never got angry. I it I, I didn't I, I the friend that she talked about did text me and say you can talk because she had cancer the, the friend <clears throat> you can you talk about anger da, 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 and I, I didn't feel any anger it, it years years before um, uh, talking about how, how you approach this, this situation of, of looking at death <clears throat> um, because I Put on so much weight. I was much heavier than I am now. I was. I was. Yeah. I, well, anyhow, and and so that the, there was a, a right here. There was a, a a piece of my chest that was sticking out. And Christine was a you know anything anything that is different that's got to be cancer. So you got to look at it. Right. So I went yeah. to I went to the primary. And the primary said, "Oh, it's nothing, but we'll have an X-ray done." He went. I went and had an X-ray done, and there was a on my breastbone. There was a uh, a dark circle. No, an X-ray can't tell if it's a mass or not. And so then I had to have a bone scan. And so I had a bone scan. So this was uh, Jeff was. So this was Jeff was probably maybe four years old or three years old, this was before Samantha. <clears throat> and so this was a long time ago, and, I'm, and I had to have the bone scan. And I can remember going to lunch from school and thinking, oh, thinking, oh, you know, the end is almost near. And that's when, and so this was a long time, but that's when uh, I, I, the first initial approach to death, mm-hmm. you know, you're still a young man, Mm-hmm. And now there's this prospect that there's going to be something. <clears throat> and it turned out all it was is the bones didn't fuse perfectly, and so there was a hole <laughs> in, in the, the fusion of the bone. So it wasn't cancer. But that was the, my first approach to, to this possible, to possible death. So when it came, when it came at, at age 68, or 67, 68, I'll be honest, the first thing I checked is, was for, did, Chris, did I have enough life insurance for Christine? Mm-hmm. And so I went and checked all the life insurance to make sure that it, how much did we, is there anything that we had to do now right. for for the future? But it was sitting in the um, in the office when Dr. Dillon gave you that first statistic. That was horrifying. Yeah. Um, in in a very different way than my response to my own diagnosis, which was also like shocking. And there was not a despair, but there was certainly a, a, a fright. Yeah. You know, it, it really hits you. Um, but for his, it was like, and this is very selfish, not only in some parts, I think, I don't know if that's the way to explain it, but she was putting before me suddenly aloneness, you know, yeah. the potential of losing him. And at my age and, and just I rely on him so much Yeah, we are like that's the hard part to imagine yeah. um, you've spent 50 years together you can't, you can't think about 
That's where the internet makes Probably it more difficult because now you can look up things and see how bad they really are. <laughs> <laughs> it was high grade, so it was uh, yeah. B cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma high grade, <clears throat> which means it's 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 moving fast. And so I looked that up on on, on my phone. And said, oh, and I put yeah. it down. So we came, he came home and very, very quickly, I don't remember the same day or what, went to the drawer where all the papers are and pulled them all out, lined them all up. And, Make sure we had... Just, just put things in order. Yeah. If you will. And that was hard as well. Mm. Um, just to contemplate. Um, even in that context of understanding... Mm. Um, Oh, I left out. I had three, uh, three uh, spinal taps too. I, I, oh, you, those were fun. Well. Yeah, quite uncomfortable. No, actually, no, not okay. Not bad. The second, the third doctor, Tufts is a is a a, a training hospital, so I had a, a newbie. Oh boy. Be- believe it or not, you're in the X-ray lab, laying on a steel table, surrounded by screens. With the and you could see through the box. I could see every filling in my teeth. The guy missed. <laughs> he he missed the spot he was going to. Everything was machines. You guys learned a lot, you know, in the course of, uh, you know, you, you've learned a lot about medicine and treatment and cancer and whatever else you could ascertain through, you know, uh, web searches and conversations. What are some things, now, of course, you would expect me to ask this, what are some things you learned about God, you know, in, in both the patient and being the spouse, the caretaker, you know, what, what are things you learned about God? That's really wide open-ended question, but I... Well, the funny thing is, at the end of my stem cell transplant, one of the doctors, for some reason, maybe he just looked at my last name, thought I was Jewish. Cone. So he must have thought it was. And so he's, he, he brought in all these, he brought in a whole bunch of first-year medical students to have a conversation with me. Of course, I'm all drugged up, so, you know, who should say what I'm going to say? Was that the one while I was there? Yeah. All right, so it was, but the purpose of it was to help them have experience asking the hard questions about the marital relationship when someone has... Uh, I had no idea oh, what okay. direction they were talking yeah, because I was so drunk. That's what they wanted. It was, it was a, like they were, they were probing for how will this affect your physical relationship. I see. Mm. And they were, but my, was, my response to but them, he, though, was... Because I, wasn't, I had no idea where play. they were going. My response to them to a question of what should they do, I said, you have to remember how that you're just the hands of God... Making the treatment—it's his—it's his decision on what's going to happen. But you're helping because he uses many means to yeah. accomplish his goal. Yes, and that's what I told the doctors. They were—they—they they stayed longer than they had planned. They—they yeah. they enjoyed talking to you because you had—you didn't stop. Well, <laughs> you see what happened. I, I used to name the days of the treatments. Day one was the push the poison. Day two was storm and tide. And so day two, the second day of treatment, I always felt like I was adrift on a raft in the middle of high tide in a storm. Mm-hmm. And so 
um, I can remember being in an elevator, and I had to go and have a heart thing, had to have my heart checked. And I remember apologizing to the people in the elevator because of my constant talking, because I was on drugs. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn about God? That's what I'm saying, it's, that it's his plan, and that these doctors are just the hands fulfilling his plan in this way, that he uses many different people to right. accomplish right. his goal. Right. right. And that's, that was um, sitting in, in the hospital after the surgery. Um, I just, from that point on, anytime I was out for treatments or anything, I brought my Bible with me because there were long spells of time waiting and um, just being in the Word was um, comforting and I I was, um, I guess you would say, just thirsty to um, know, to be reading the word and blocking out, it helped block out other things that uh, were going on or the thoughts that would um, be negative, it just helped that way. But. I was comforted. I was physically and, and emotionally comforted. And it was um, apparently very obvious to people because that was a comment that right through all the staff that interacted, um, there were either questions or wonder and, and people wanted to, and they would ask. And then I would answer and I would yeah. tell them where, where it was coming from, why I, was able to be um, calm. At peace. Maybe another way of even capturing the question is like, what did you, what did you rediscover? What what did, what what were you reminded mm. with regard to God, His character, His promises, as you guys were suffering and watching your spouse suffer? Mm. Are there any promises or realities about, you know? God to his children. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God, but you're suffering. Well, to, to get to her, uh, just to sidetrack, to, I could not read mm. undergoing treatment. That's true. You weren't able to do that. So that anybody who expects to be undergoing treatment and reading at the same time, is, you, you can see the words... You can, pro you can look at the words, you know what the words are, but you can't process the information. And so when you're undergoing heavy chemotherapy, you really can't read. You can't read for meaning. Mm -hmm. um, what you can do is you can go over, you can reread things that you know. Well, that was that you've the experienced, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But you can't, yeah. you can't read for new information. And so what we actually did here is that uh, on the off off weeks when I wasn't at uh, cancer daycare, Christine would read uh, a book of the Bible and I would listen. I see. You're a pretty good listener. I was a good <laughs> listener. I, I tried not to fall asleep, but I have to tell you, the you tiredness of chemotherapy is unexplainable to people who haven't experienced it. The last time I experienced it, believe it or not, when I got a booster for COVID, mm -hmm. That booster gave me a, a, a titillation of, of the same fatigue. But see, it's it's a 
it's not, a, it's not a natural fatigue that you feel when your body is tired. It's a mechanical feat tired that overcomes you more like a glove or a machine. It, it's almost like you can taste iron when it's, when it's that mm -hmm. tired. And I felt that with the uh, COVID. Uh, but for the promises, um, what did we rediscover? Um, I, just, I just remember going through um, understand, knowing that he was trustworthy, that he promised um, to care for us and keep us. And I felt confident that, um, I'm trying to remember the passage that I was thinking of. Somewhere in, this, in the, uh, the Psalter, yeah, in the yeah. Psalms? No, this was what, what Paul said, and you even referenced it recently. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Yeah. Um, and I knew that if I were to die at that time, um, there would be gain. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, and there's an apprehension because it's, there's still that element of unknown. But um, I wasn't afraid. And I, was, and I would say that, I would share that with people. Uh, you, I don't know if you brought it up in the last podcast about heaven, about um, when, when Christ is on the cross, he says mm -hmm. seven things, right? And, and one of those is, why have you not forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And that is something... That, that is where, uh, the way I perceive that is, is that that's where God is taken away from you now, perfectly alone. And God is always around us now, always providing, always supporting. Every time you turn around, God is, God is, God is there providing for you with common grace and special grace, right? Yeah. But when he says, uh, 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 why have you abandoned me? Now that grace is gone. You are actually all alone, perfectly, in a, in a perfectly dark atmosphere where there's no support whatsoever. And believe it or not, at least I can remember as a child, maybe seven or eight, trying to go to sleep, and my mind is, is moving out, and I'm now into this, this, this dark blackness all alone, and I became very afraid. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to put my mind out there like that. And so when I, when, I, when, you, when I spoke to the church prior to going to have the initial chemotherapy, again, it was that idea that, that now I know what death is and that the promise is that I will not be alone, left alone, yeah. without. Nothing I will not separate. be. I will not be in that black Whole where there is absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. And so hmm. that, um, that's where actually the comfort comes from. Right. Because I know that, that even in death, I, I won't be in that black hole. So at one point you asked a question in another, another venue about, uh, uh, about, um, not a, a 
uh, election, but the word that goes with election. Again, this is the, the chemo there. The predestination. Predestination. And I said, I have been a predestinationist since the beginning. And that's mm -hmm. what I was talking about, <laughs> about as a kid, <clears throat> feeling that, that black hole. And I can remember as, as a young man working, and I would say, yeah, there's somebody in charge. There's something in charge. I don't know what it is, but there's something... And thinking, well, it's not a big corporation. It's going to be bigger than that, you know mm -hmm. that type of thing. So now that I know what that is, that is that's the comfort in the, uh, hmm. where you can. Yeah, I, I get, remind me when you were, were referencing the time that we prayed as a church. Um, I don't know if you were there, Jonathan. I don't but, think so. Yeah, Jonathan had a, a brief stint where he he moved out of state for yeah. a little while, yeah. and uh, but we as a church, I, I really count this as a distinct opportunity a privilege that we have mm -hmm. um, to pray and to walk to pray for one another to yes. walk through uh, trials and suffering um, together and, and it was a beautiful uh, it was a beautiful day in the life of our church to be able to, to call you forward Chris and say we need to we need to to rally around this couple um, as you were beginning that treatment and had that that you know that it was a, it was a heavy diagnosis and to see and we told the Lord we said if, if you would if you would provide you know we will we will give you the praise and even even having this this conversation is part of I think the the manifestation of expressing our gratitude to God to testify Absolutely. as as ambassadors of Christ that He um, is faithful. I'd love to hear some other ways that you. Obviously, reading this, reading the Psalms and clinging to different promises from God's work, but maybe any other places where you could point to to say, "Hey, this is how God worked through the means of grace." And when I say the means of grace, I mean this: this ordinary channels of mm -hmm. fellowship, prayer, the Lord's Supper, um, you know, hearing God's word, being with God's people. How else did God work and provide and, and meet you and comfort you? Well. As far as my going through the cancer, we would not have been able to uh, do it without the support of the family group. Right. And so the community group, transportation, everybody was providing transportation. Christine, she, she could not drive me into Boston. Yeah, no, right? I just can't do that. And, and so uh, we would be transported in and out by people in the family group. Uh, and it, it, the, their support was just tremendous is when it comes to uh, what, uh, what we went through practical needs for us. As far as, as when Christine was, it, it was a different, uh, I want to say it was a different time. Well, I, I found much support through um, prayer. Mm -hmm. Those that were praying for us, we were in... Um, we were in the little Silver Lake Chapel in Clinton, and um, Hank, Pastor Hank came with me, was present when I went in for um, both of the surgeries, and prayed and stayed and waited until I came out and talked with the, um, the surgeon. Um, and that, that little community as well. Mm -hmm. We were the babies then, <laughs> there we are now, the, um, you know, the, the, older, the older end of the congregation. And um, they did the same as what, um, what Grace does now. So you see um, the consistency and continuity of God's grace yeah. from place to place. And um, with meals, um, with prayer, uh, I was um, the woman that was watching... Um, Jeff and Sam 
um, babysitting when I was at work um, was a pray is a prayer warrior. She prayed with them. I would take Sam after my treatments and on a, an, uh, an off week um, would be taking Sammy over because we had made the commitment that she that was a job for her obviously, but she was a, is a loving woman and um, watching the kids in her home, but. The plan was to drop Sammy so I could go and rest, but I would stay all morning. And um, she just gave that time so wow. graciously um, to talk and to um, pray and just visit. And then I'd go home and have my afternoon nap and then come back and pick, pick the kids up. Uh, so prayer definitely... Um, I was teaching at the time in a, a school where, a public school, where um, several of the staff were um, bold Christians. Mm. And I knew that they were praying as well and covering um, things that needed to be done while I was not working. Um, God was gracious um, in providing uh, financially, even um, because the school system had a sick bank. So my whole year out, um, I just pr we just praised him. Uh, we're very grateful that um, I continued to receive my salary, my pay through the whole year. Um, and there, there were hard lessons as well, um, that because I was very thankful and um, prayerful, and then that was that very following year. I hadn't even been a complete year when my brother was killed in a car accident. Mm. So that whole different dimension of trusting God um, and being faithful in outwardly yeah. to other people was, um, was challenging, but it also um, taught me anyway a lot about who he is, you know, that he does carry you through um, every kind of difficulty. Yeah. You would say you would say that the the suffering of, you know, enduring some of what you had with cancer and waiting and uncertainty prepared you to even receive the news of your brother's death. Yeah, it, it, hmm. I I believe so, and gave me strength to um, gather the family and um, have the courage to um, say we're going to pray. I'm going to pray because he he was um, in the hospital. He didn't die right away. But um, he did while we were there. But um, my parents had had a very different reaction, hmm. um, and it took years to really work through. Um, I think our relationship—they were angry. You talk about anger with God. Uh, they didn't express it verbally so much, but you could tell that there was an anger, and I felt the heat of it. I see. Because I felt like because I was the one who was so verbal about trusting yeah. God, and then, well, I don't know. I don't even know how to articulate how that felt, but I think they felt um, the unfairness from their perspective hmm. of you know to go through such a difficult. If they were, they were really torn apart when I was going through the cancer. It was hard for them. Um, and then 
my brother's death was just devastating. Yeah. And um, I think we felt, I don't know how to say it, if it's even necessary, but it, it changed our relationship. I don't know how, I, I still haven't really um, processed that completely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a hurt. Jonathan, you might have... Man, this is beautiful, Jonathan. You might have another another question, um, but I was gonna I was gonna uh, wrap wrap it up. Mm. What's been harder, raising children, being married for fifty years, or being a cancer patient? Um, <laughs> raising children. <laughs> well, I can see we've got a difference here. Okay, one of them is marriage, and one of them is raising children. And well, I was gonna raise uh, children, and be married for fifty years. Yeah, it's, it's all. It's all combined. I I should add that uh, one thing I learned uh, with Christine's cancer was that sometimes after the trauma is over, then you have to deal with the difficulties that uh, are echoes of the trauma. Mm -hmm. And that is sometimes uh, misapprehended, is that you still have to deal. Even though the cancer is over and you survived, there's still issues and you can't let them uh, fester yeah you know surrender love grace forgiveness you know deference yeah I hope that other folks will seek you out I think what would you say Jonathan that uh the others will ask more questions that this maybe would spark. Yeah, I think part of the reason we're doing this podcast, and we mentioned this in the first episode, is that it really helps. Um, you know, we get to say hello to each other here and there at church, but to know each other's story and to know how God is working throughout each person's life is, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody that that's dealing with with cancer in their family now, and now they can reach out to you and, and hear you, you know, from things that you've said. So yeah. I think that it's important that uh, you know. Uh, we we kind of get to know each other a little bit more through our stories and 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 see how God's kind of worked uh, in the course of a long life and a long marriage. So, yeah, thank you so much. One thing I've also noticed that, that, that uh, God is so gracious that as I went through different treatments in different places, I met so many cancer survivors mm. that yeah. it's. I was amazed at how many I would go and say, "Oh yeah, I had cancer." Oh yeah, and they're working in a hospital, someplace like that. Right, right. So it's it's yeah. It, there's always you know always hope. Yeah. Thank right. you. Well, all right. Thank, thank you, you guys. so much. It's been uh, Grace Unfolding, where we are uh, unfolding the. The riches of, what is it? God's grace for the good of God's people. For the good of God's people. Thank you. 